Hey, what's going on? It's Quinn David Furness. Welcome to my show. Quinn David Furness presents the Beantown Podcast for uh, Friday, September 22nd. What's going on? What's happening? How are you? We are officially in fall. I know it's unofficially, officially been that way since Labor Day, but we got, you know, Oktoberfests going on. I was at Oktoberfest, I guess, two weekends ago now already. And, you know, there's fall fests coming up. There's apple fests coming up. I wore a long sleeve shirt out to get my bagel today, this morning for breakfast. So it's it's fall and, and uh, I'm living the bachelor life today. Rachel's in Arizona having a good time. Well, let me pause right there. That could be trouble that I just said that. And we should really edit that out and re-record because uh, it's a surprise party. Okay, and so assuming that certain people don't know they're about to be surprised. Well, it's not a surprise party as much as it's just a party and not all the not, not all of the uh, guests who are attending were on the original yes list. Let's just leave it at that. Okay, so hopefully I didn't spoil anything. I know the Beantown podcast is worldwide. Uh, speaking of which, hello to our friends in Pakistan. Hyderabad, Islamabad, Kabul, wherever you are listening from. Thank you for making us the 112th ranked comedy podcast in Pakistan and, and likely, you know, the greater Middle East and Central Asia, South Asia, Tibetan Plateau. I don't know how far those signals go. But I mentioned I live in the bachelor life, but the diet today, I'm killing it. Bagel for breakfast, cheddar herb with veggie cream cheese, a dynamite combo, can't beat it. Had some uh, peanut butter filled pretzel nuggets about one o'clock for lunch. Uh, forgot that I have a banana, and uh, to this point, have still forgotten there's a banana over there in the kitchen that I should have. And now drinking a glass of whiskey. So, pretzels, bagels, whiskey. And if you're curious, what would Quinn be like if uh, if he was still single to this day? You're probably staring staring at in the face right here and the plan is to keep this high and tight like a haircut from cuts by q and you need a fresh do something snap or you new call the experts at cuts by q keep it high and tight and the timing uh because i'm hoping i'm trying to you know do this squeeze it all in and then go just like hang out either on a patio or something not it's not going to be super long it's already 4 45 uh in the afternoon and uh you know days getting shorter here and i got work in the morning but just want to, you know, just get out of the house a little bit. Definitely need some steps and read my book. That's the thing. I, I am so bad about intentionally reading my book. When you when you sit me on the couch, especially, you know, most days, long work day, running around doing lots of different things, and then it's like finally get to supper, 7, 7.30. Man, the last thing I want to do or, or the first thing I want to do really is just like turn on the TV we're almost done with the shield. We got like five episodes left, and Jeopardy's not even back yet. Once Jeopardy comes back, add another twenty minutes of screen time to my day there. But I'm working on Remains of the Day by uh, Ishiguro. I got it right over here. What's his name? Pretty famous author, Kazuo Ishiguro. I think I was I was pretty close. They made a they made a movie out of this one with Anthony Hopkins. This is my second novel of his. Um, I first read. Never Let Me Go, which they made a movie out of with Andrew Garfield and who else was in that one? Carrie Mulligan and Keira Knightley, I think it was. 
very well done. I enjoy his writing style. But this movie was Anthony Hopkins and uh, Emma Thompson back in the 90s. So working on that one right now. And I'll uh, continue to work on it as uh, I, I fly tomorrow. Uh, in fact, in just about, like, I've got a timer on my phone. We're going to do the first ever, I believe, although we're almost 300 episodes in. I got a quick sidetrack. I got to capture or research when exactly 300 is because I believe it's next month. I think this is like 297 today, 296 maybe. It, we don't have any big 300 episode anniversary plans yet but it might be fun to put together a little you know slideshow presentation best of maybe get some uh, callers maybe a gentleman caller or a or a gentlewoman caller or non-binary doesn't really matter but we're going to do a um we're going to do a live uh airline uh, southwest check-in in approximately five minutes here uh, for my flight, so tomorrow, crazy, crazy weekend, okay, we won't go all into all the details, because this is not really what I want to talk about in today's show, uh, and before I, I talk about the thing I don't necessarily want to talk about for very long, I will just mention, listener discretion is advised, when you're listening to this program, number one, will occasionally some language, number two, this podcast is objectively terrible, but working tomorrow, which is the reason I couldn't go uh, do family stuff uh, out on the West Coast in Arizona this weekend, a uh, big, big work event. And then immediately afterwards, heading to Midway to take a flight to Minneapolis, I am going along with uh, brothers and father of the podcast, Walt, Jack, and Steve, to uh, Minneapolis, U.S. Bank Stadium, the Minnesota Vikings playing the Los Angeles Chargers. It will be my first ever time inside of U.S. Bank Stadium. I go to Minneapolis frequently, and it just never works out that there's a Vikings game going on. And it's actually funny because the weekend after I have to go to Minneapolis, too, I'm actually going to buy or push it and just drive up super early on the Monday and then work there midday Monday when before I would have gone up on the Sunday um, to see the the game, but they're in Carolina. So going there, literally getting into Minneapolis at like 6 p.m. Uh, tomorrow night, 6.30, something like that. And then Sunday, just game day, just that experience, win or lose, we'll see, playing the Chargers, both teams just sucking it up so far. And then my flight is literally, I think it's like 5.20 a.m. on Monday morning. It's brutal. Unfortunately, there wasn't more like a 6.30 or something that could get me to Midway by like 8 um, even 7:45, it's going to be just wake up crazy early, you know, 3 a.m., 3:15 a.m., and then just work a full day in the office on Monday. So not ideal, but I was just like, you know what? Rachel's going to be gone. I got to work Saturday. I- ideally, it would be a full weekend, right? But uh, life is not always ideal. So doing that, pumped. This is my second ever NFL game. Uh, second ever Vikings game. It'll be the first one in Minneapolis, and it's a beautiful stadium, at least from the outside, and I've only heard good things. So we're going to be doing that. We're also going to be uh, um, we're going to be talking today, and it's going to be a quick episode, I promise, about this day in history. It's partially a quick episode because nothing was just uh, striking me creatively, and then I was thinking, well, uh, maybe you know, there's different ways to skin a cat, uh, which is kind of a spooky phrase when you think about it. It's not a phrase I don't think I've ever used more than once or twice in my life. Uh, but it's applicable to the situation. What I'm trying to get at is 
uh, decided, well, if nothing else, we got to come up with a uh, palindrome of the day and a trivia question of the day. We'll start off with the palindrome question of the day, and, and then the trivia question led into some just kind of interesting things. Uh, today's palindrome of the day is go deliver a date, vile dog. So it's like you're speaking to a dog, all right? Go deliver a date, vile dog. Vile dog could be like a, I don't know, a band that played at Riot Fest this last weekend. Uh, we did our, thank you for uh, the non-death cab heads in the room for sticking with last week's episode where we power ranked the tracks from Transatlanticism. It was awesome. I mean, to see Transatlanticism played straight through was was definitely really cool. But honestly, I I enjoy Postal Service even more. Like, the amount that they could do even though it's so much electronic, but the amount that they could do live was fantastic. Oh, here's the uh, the alarm. It's pretty quiet. I can't even hear that. I don't know how that wakes me up in the morning. It's so quiet. Um, especially on, on some of the tracks in, like, the back half, Ben Gibbard, like, once the majority of the song would play and they were just kind of jamming a little bit, he would go sit on drums and play, which was cool. And then, and especially, I think my favorite one was probably Brand New Colony, which is the uh, the penultimate track. But uh, they brought Jason McGurr, the drummer for Death Cab, out to to play the drum set um, at the end of that song. And just, the drums were just perfect, man. It was awesome. So, and then they, they all come out together and play one song at the end, which was, it's a little bit of an underwhelming uh, it's a Depeche Mode cover, which I, I just don't know much about that band. And the song is just like, it's not like a big kind of uh, glorious finish. It's just kind of like a middle of the pack, middle of the concert kind of song. And it's good. They jam a little bit, but it's not like, I don't know. I guess Ben just must really love that song one way or another. So anyways, but it was beautiful. Getting home from Rifehouse, Disaster. Mexican uh, Independence Day, plus Pinkland crowding. But uh, we got, we're counting down the seconds here. I'm very passionate about my Southwest check-ins. I was flying, so I went to Kansas City a couple weekends ago, or a couple weeks ago. It was a Wednesday. It was like two, two and a half weeks ago. And it was a 24-hour trip. What happened was checked into my initial flight, no problem, right, 24 hours before. Here we go, 450, retrieve reservation. Flight's not ready for check-in. Don't give me a don't do me dirty. It's 24 hours before. Okay, there we go. It's going through. This is uh, this is crazy. This is live. You're checked in. Where's my number? I'm on the the computer. B23. That's that feels solid. That's about what I got when I uh, went to Kansas City. Anyways, the the story I was trying to finish. I'll have to get this boarding pass later. The story I was trying to finish was that my flight out of Chicago. On the Wednesday, so I was I was flying there on a Wednesday morning, working on a Wednesday, flying back Thursday morning. Fly there, uh, but flight is delayed. It was going to be like I land, and then I have like two more hours before I have to check back in to go home the next day. But it was delayed so much that it uh, my flight, <clears throat> the 24-hour window opened while I was still in the air in airplane mode, and it was close too. I was like watching the seconds tick down. And the plane was getting close to the ground, and I'm like, airplane mode is off, but you're still above the uh, the cell towers. And I was just like, this is brutal. I, it wasn't bad. It was literally like three minutes after. But I still got shafted. I was like C, C20 or something like that. 
hey, it's an hour flight, not a big deal. But I just like the uh, the glory of saying I got to the high Bs. So B23, good, not amazing. I feel a little bit shafted, okay? My laptop clock said 450. I hit retrieve reservation, and it gives me the old, it's not ready. And then you got to spend an extra, it was probably an extra 10 seconds reloading again. And that probably was the difference between B23 and the uh, a2 first class medallion. No, they they how does Southwest do it? They don't uh, sell um a or they don't assign A1 through A15, I think it is, and you can just buy that. So that's always just open. I don't I don't necessarily blame them from a business perspective. It's just what they do. And then I think like A15 through A30, you can um just buy at the time you buy your ticket. I think that's how that goes. So I think it starts well, it's probably it's probably expanded above A30, right? So Southwest goes A1 through 60, B1 through 60, C1 through 60. I imagine, I feel like, hey, I was really quick on the refresh, even though I got shafted a little bit. There's got to be more people who buy the priority boarding. It's got to be above A30, right? It's got to be at least into like the high A50s, A40s, 50s, because, I mean, I was seconds away from being as close as you can get on that refresh, um, the 24-hour advance, and B23 is what I got. And I did the same thing when I was flying to Kansas City a couple weeks ago, and I think I was very similar. I think I was like B20 at that point. So I feel pretty confident in my abilities to check in exactly 24 hours ahead, and I know that there are other people who are just as good at that, if not better than I am. Maybe you don't get shafted by the system. But point being, I think I was pretty close to the front with my clicking skills. B23 is one of those where it's like, if you want to sit in the window, which are the most desirable seats on a plane typically, and for a short flight, it will be for me too because I don't need to go anywhere. You got to go towards the back third of the plane. Not usually a problem. Although, uh, to be perfectly honest, I might, um, we're just getting all the nitty gritty details that are really entertaining of Quinn's flight. What I'm trying to say is I might just take an early aisle seat, maybe in like the 9s or the 10s, the 9s as if there's multiple 9s, maybe like 9 through 15 or something like that row-wise because then I can just, boom, get off the plane, which normally I don't care about, but it's like I want to get there. I want to get out of there as soon as I can so I have more time to party, dance, kick, drink, importantly. So we'll see. I will. Uh, I know you're all gonna probably not gonna be able to sleep tonight. Just thinking, what did Quinn do? How did he do it? I'll let you know as soon as I know. But excited, Vikings game. Uh, we're staying right near Surly, which is a, a a place I'm familiar with. I got to go last time for the first time, or last year for the first time. So I, I'm pumped. That's gonna be a great time. Even though it's all very like in flux, family members flying out at different times, people going here, people going there. But it's just like boom, let's just make it happen. So. I, we did today's palindrome of the day. I was I was looking for trivia, and my default trivia whenever I don't have something good, uh, just off the time I had, because this week is I have not been creative at all this week. Although I've set some time aside for piano, um, I just have been like just like exhausted in a number of different areas of of uh, life, mostly work related, but just long, long tough week. So I just don't feel creative at all, which is fine. So I go to This Day in History from History.com, September 22nd, 2023. And all of a sudden I'm thinking, like, we, we got show ideas right here, or tri- at least trivia ideas right here. 
So we'll get to trivia at the end here. It's one of the, you know, this day's in history kind of things. But just kind of perusing the, the, the history.com entry for September 22nd, 2023, we'll also mention, uh, we mentioned we're going to see father of the show tomorrow. Um, if you need your home inspected, if you're in Central Oregon, maybe you're a new home buyer, maybe it's your first time, you don't want to take any chances, okay? Get someone to back you up, someone who's safe, certified, an expert like Steve. You can call him up, 541-410-0316, or visit homeprideoregon.com for a, uh, I'm just going to guess, a no-risk, no-cost initial consultation, right? Pick up the phone. He's not going to charge you. He's not going to bill you by the minute, right? He's not your podiatrist. He's not your uh, pediatrician. He's not your electrician, right? They're not trying to bilk you. What's the, what, do we need two different verbs, milk and bilk, B-I-L-K? Because I feel like bilk means the same thing as milk in the context of, you know, milk as a, uh, as a word. I guess bilk, according to the contentauthority.com, we know, hey, they're the authority. Bilk means to cheat or defraud someone out of money, while milk has no specific fiduciary association. I added that those last two words myself. Those weren't on the contentauthority.com. Maybe they could use me as a guest writer. Fiduciary, F-I-D-U-C-I-A-R-Y. That's a whole other can of worms. You probably can only use fiduciary in specific contexts. I up, up, uh, I updated my uh, 403B contribution, re- uh, re- uh, not retirement, not requirement, contribution amount per paycheck. Decreased it by one percentage point today to funnel more money towards wedding savings. I also realized Rachel is not the beneficiary. that I didn't have a beneficiary on my 403B. So now um, you heard it here first in the Beantown Podcast. If I am mysteriously uh, murdered or just disappear uh, in any number of uh, ways anytime soon, uh, you have a prime suspect. So shout out to fiance of the podcast, Rachel Ramos. No, she would probably <coughs> never do that. Um, and, of course, our good friends, we already mentioned Cutspeak, the Samson Q2U series. Guys, it's almost 300 episodes. Samson has just been here. In fact, I'm using one of my OG Samsons. I really had two at the start. I think originally I had one, but then like a month or two months in, I bought a second one. And this is one of those OG twos. I have a newer one that, um, for whatever reason, is just like out of the rotation right now. I, there was a time when I was using two mics for a recording or something and then i just grabbed one it happened to be the older one and that's what we're still using 300 episodes later still going strong so samson q2u series when god speaks he uses a samson so if you're curious what what happened today so uh we'll get to trivia at the very end here and that's one of the things that happened on this day in history but uh going back into the history books here 1862 lincoln issues the emancipation proclamation it makes me Think there, so there's a, a kid's, uh, probably the most, one of the most infamous uh, kids' jeopardy, and not even like teen tournament, like kids' jeopardy, I think. This kid's got to be like 11 or something like that when he answers this. It's a final jeopardy question. And I think he would have won if they gave him, uh, it was a super easy, if they gave it to him, super easy question. Everyone knows it's the Emancipation Proclamation. The kid puts a T between the P and the A at the end. So the Emancipation you can't even tell that I said something differently. Emancipation versus emancipation. Proclamation. 
and it's back when Alex was hosting. And uh, Alex comes across like a little bit of a dick. It's not really Alex's fault. It's the judge's ruling, and Alex has to relay that to like this eleven-year-old kid. Um, but then the kid, it was the, it was this whole thing where like, yeah, it sucks. It was unfortunate. And then the kid's parents like take him on the Today Show and you know fourth hour with Kathy and Hodley, and it's like eleven-year-old from Massachusetts milked out of uh, bilked out of twenty right bilked right bilked out of twenty thousand dollars by Jeopardy. You know, BuzzFeed, clickbait. And it's like there's some truth to that. Like it's kind of bullshit, but it's also just like a pain in the ass. Like this kid is making the rounds on the Today Show. Like when, uh, what was it, Jay Cutler on the Today Show? No, it wasn't. It was um, the double doink, the kicker. Remember that? on the? This is all coming from Abraham Lincoln. The double doink kicker, was it Cody Parkey? So back in, was it 2018? That year is just sticking out to me. Cody Parkey double doink the bears had won it was like the last time the bears were legitimately really good hang on i gotta i gotta turn on a fan here quick pause still gotta pause okay it's like a 30 second pause we had a random are in a random not a heat wave but like things were steadily declining from a temperature and climate perspective over the last couple weeks and then starting yesterday it's been like high 70s and kind of muggy but I think once your body shifts into soup mode, like George Costanza would say, the the high 70s and humid just feels warmer than you're expecting it to. And so I'm just sitting here podcasting shirtless, just got out of the shower and worked out a little bit right before this. And I'm just like sweating, even though I've got like a whiskey and ice going. No uh, work's done, well, until tomorrow. So just, you know, Stuff like that happens. Sweaty podcast. Uh, but what I was going to say, Cody Parkey, remember, he I, he was the kicker for the Bears. I don't remember who else he played for. He's one of those kickers that was not around in the NFL for super long. But I'm pretty sure he was the guy who did the double doing great. And then it was like two days later, he, yeah, yeah. And it was, yeah, 2018 season. Here we go. I got the clip right in front of me. It was so bizarre. Like, he does the double doink. He misses it. It's a primetime game. It's like the last time the Bears were any good. And they had a really kick-ass season, right? It was Trubisky, maybe his rookie year, second year. And they were, what, probably like 13-3, and three, something like that. They go to the playoffs. They're hosting the Eagles. They're pretty favored pretty heavily. It's not like, oh, it would be shocking if they lost. But it was like, yeah, they should win this game. I don't. They weren't a number one seed, so they didn't have a bye. But they were at least a two or a three seed, hosting a you know wild card team, scrappy Eagles team that just had a good defense. That was not the year of the Eagles Super Bowl. That was that was a different beast. Um, And basically, just the bear. It was a very like low scoring, gritty game. And then of course, Cody Parkey misses it by hitting the uprights twice on the final kick. A very kind of similar vibe to when the Vikings lost to the Seahawks on that negative 20-degree game at the U of M. Vikings were heavily favored, and they still should have just won no problem because their kicker should be able to make a 24-year-old, 24-yard field goal or whatever the distance was. This was similar from Cody Parkey. I think it was like a 35-yard field goal, and he just missed it at the end of regulation and they lost by a point or whatever it was. But then the bizarre thing is he goes on the today show like two days later and it's like, 
it's just it's weird for like one individual to do that not a high profile individual he's just the kicker um and a lot of bears just like people not just fans but like people inside the team were upset about it and it was just a very like bizarre thing so all this is to say that lincoln issued the emancipation proclamation in 1862 let's take this isn't our official trivia question let's take guesses here and i will guess two before i actually hit enter and google search it how long is the emancipation proclamation i'm thinking in word count so there's the emancipation proclamation and then there's the gettysburg address or the two like famous lincoln things right speeches Gettysburg Address is notable for being super short. He wrote it on a napkin on the on the way there on the train, right? The Emancipation Proclamation, it wasn't like a I don't think that was a speech, right? It was just like a document that he wrote down and it got widespread or something like that. So I don't I think it's longer, but then I'm also like, well, what did he actually have to say other than just like, hey slaves, you're free, right? So here we go. Take your best shot. I have no idea. I feel like I'm going to be way off. How long is the Emancipation Proclamation? I know Gettysburg is crazy short. Gettysburg is like a stanza. I'm going to guess Emancipation Proclamation is 300 words. Okay? So take your guesses. We're going to plow ahead. We're going to hit uh, search and see what comes up. Okay, the Emancipation or original the original the Emancipation Proclamation is the nation is in the okay too much history with the text oh I'm going to be way off text covering five pages it's going to be more than three hundred words okay how many words is the Emancipation Proclamation could we get that how many I shouldn't have said how long I should have said how many words I don't need pages. How many words is the Emancipation Proclamation? I'm not getting a straight answer. Okay, here we go. 719 words. So I feel like I was off by a pretty healthy margin, but it wasn't egregious. It wasn't like I said, oh, the Gettysburg Address is probably like 10 pages when it's like a paragraph. Um, So there you go. 719 words. That was very unofficial. I don't even – it wasn't the contentauthority.com, I'll tell you that much. So there you go. That happened. uh, Lincoln issued it on this date in 1862. Although I think it didn't like go into circulation until 1863, three months later. So these things took time. It sounds like, um, other things, uh, let's learn. Let's, let's take a quick serious note. We're not going to go very much longer, but 1906, the Atlanta race riot of 1906. I'm going to be completely honest with you. No idea. Like any specifics of that. I don't think I've ever heard of the Atlanta race riot of 1906 so if you all want to um just put on your learning cap for a quick second here we go right to uh, uh wikipedia violent attacks that's how it starts this is how the wikipedia entry starts it wasn't like the race riots where it's just violent attacks by armed mobs of white americans against african americans in atlanta began after newspapers published several unsubstantiated and luridly detailed reports of the alleged rapes of four local women by black men the violence lasted through September 24th. The events were so three days. Um, the events were reported by newspapers around the world, including a French journal describing the lynchings in the USA and the massacre of Negroes in Atlanta. Scotland was on it. London was on it. Final death toll of the conflict is unknown and disputed, but officially at least 25 African Americans and two whites died. 
on official reports range from 10 to 100 black Americans killed during the massacre. So there you go. Uh, there's a lot more if you want to go read about it, of course. But it's, yeah, pretty much a newspaper just said whether true or not, it sounds like it wasn't, but I don't know. I have to do more research. Um, that four white women were raped by just generic black man, early 20th century USA, and then a bunch of black men got killed, So, or black people got killed. So there you go. That's America for you. Ain't That America, uh, which uh, John Mellencamp will be talking something related to him in a second here. Uh, 1828, Shaka Zulu assassinated. Now, that's different than Shaka Khan, right? Were they married? Were they were they hooking up? Okay, Shaka Khan, born in 1953. So that would be 125 years after Shaka Zulu was assassinated. So presumably no connection. But that's sort of what we do here on the Beantown Podcast. We kind of connect the dots. Shaka Khan is one of those singers where it's like, I'm aware that that's a person who exists and is a famous singer, and I can't tell you anything more about them other than black female. So she's known as the Queen of Funk. There you go. Known for her hit, I Feel For You. Ten Grammy Awards, that's pretty good. Although I've been pushing for the Beantown Podcast to be uh, nominated for a Grammy Award, so I don't know how much these things really matter anyways. Um her collaboration with Steve Winwood produced a number one hit, Higher Love. Okay, so she's the female voice on Higher Love. There you go. Uh, but Shaka Zulu, with an H, not a C, understandably confusing. Is it Shaka Khan or Chaka Khan, right? Okay, you go to the Wikipedia article for Shaka Zulu, which is badass because it just it just says Shaka. It's not Shaka Zulu. It's just Shaka. Here you go. This is uh, the full name, Shaka First name, S-H-A-K-A, pretty straightforward. And then last name, lowercase K-A, capital S, lowercase the rest of the way, E-N-Z-A-N-G-A-K-H-O-N-A. So Shaka Kasenzangakona. Probably not that hard to say once you get the hang of it. Shaka Kasenzangakona. G kind of towards the end kind of throws me off. He's the king of the Zulu kingdom from 1816 to 1828. Zulu, uh, Shaka was always one of the uh, like players in uh, Sid Meier's civilization, which I don't know which edition they're up to now. When we were kids, we had two, which felt very um, basically like one step above Tetris, essentially, in terms of like the graphics and the layout. So I assume the original civilization was very much that way. Because um, Civilization Two, I remember just being very, very like black, and a little bit of color, and not much else. But then we had three, which I think we played a lot, and I think there may, I think four may have trickled down like towards the end of my time playing games on a PC. So I imagine just they're they're probably up to like seven or eight now in terms of editions. But essentially, you know, you sort of pick your um, your nation, your tribe, whatever you want, right? You can be, of course, the USA, and you'll probably be Lincoln. You can be um, Queen Elizabeth II, who I always thought was very kind of sexy, frankly. Um, you can be Gandhi. Gandhi has like an internet meme reputation for going for nukes 
which is funny. I, and I don't know if that's like actually substantiated in the game or if that's just because he's Gandhi and it's a fun joke. But you could also be the Zulus, and so your like leader would be Shaka. I don't remember who else was in there. I'm sure there's like um, whoever the emperor in Japan was during World War II. I don't think you could do Hitler, right? That seems a little uh, too on the nose. Uh, France, I think, was like Joan of Arc, I think, if I recall correctly. It's kind of interesting. You just have to like go back through your tribe or your country or your nation's history and figure out like who will we pick as the most important influential person of all time, you know, for this thing. I don't know. Kind of a fascinating. Sid, Sid Meier's a genius, though. That guy knew what he was doing. Uh, but that was Shaka Zulu. Let's go down. Let's. So it's the assassination. Unfortunately, was what we are. Uh, uh, what we are uh, commemorating here. Uh, Dingane and Malanagana, Shaka's half-brothers, appear to have made at least two attempts to assassinate Shaka before they succeeded. God, bitches. Perhaps with support from Mpando elements and some disaffected... Oh, there's a lot of tough words in here. Easy Yendane people. Shaka had made enough enemies... Uh, tell, uh, t- tell me about it. Among his own people to hasten his demise. Hasten is not a verb I use enough. H-A-S-T-E-N. Hasten. Do you actually do you slip a little T action in there when you say hasten, or is it just hasten and people know what you're saying? I have that sometimes when I say the word folk, like folk music. Do you slip a little L in there? No L in there? A lot of L in there? I found myself recently slipping too much L in there, and then I'm very self-conscious about it because you say folk and it's like an egg yolk. But is it egg yolk? It's egg yolk, right? You don't say the L in egg yolk. But I found myself saying the L in folk, like folk music. But it's, it happens so fast. It's a millisecond where that L could be or not be, and it makes sense. It's such a thin, not wide letter. That L just, it, boom, it's just straight up. It's just a vertical column. It goes by so fast, it's not wide like a W. Or a, a B even. It's got some beef to it. Right? So these are the things I think about. I have, in all honesty, though, I have been slipping too much L into my folks lately. And should there be any L? Should it, what? Should we think of it as F-O super narrow L-K-S? Or should we think of it as F-O-K-E-S, folks? <sighs> Very challenging. Okay, let's just, uh, let's just briefly see if there are any other good these days in, uh, this day in histories from September 22nd. And I just want to finish up with trivia because I want to actually, like, get out and go do some things. Um, 1914, U-boat devastates British squadron. Um, 1953, the famous four level opens in Los Angeles. I want to click into that just because I actually don't know what that is. Okay. What is, I clicked on this and it didn't take me to the four level. It just took me to some generic bullshit page about inventions. Not helpful. History.com. Okay, four-level Los Angeles, four-level interchange. Oh, that's really cool. I love infrastructure. The four-level interchange is the first stack interchange in the world, completed in 49, opened in 1953, the northern edge of downtown L.A. Okay, connects a bunch of different streets, uh, a stack um, stack interchange. Yeah, basically what we think of when we think of just two highways crossing each other. That's an interchange, but this was four-level that was the first one ever. That's very badass. It's very cool. Um, so there you go. 
no thanks to history.com. I need to search in Wikipedia to find it. Here's something I didn't know. 1975, President Ford, Jerry, uh, survived second assassination attempt. If you had asked me to make a list of all the presidents who had assassination attempts outside of the obvious ones that were assassinated and then think people like Reagan, Ford was not on my list once, and apparently it happened at least twice. So we're learning things on the Beantown podcast. Um. 1964, Friends debuts. 1961, Kennedy signs a Peace Corps legislation. Shout out to brother of the podcast, Jack Furness. Uh, In 1776, Nathan Hale is executed by the British for spying. There you go. So today's trivia question, uh, in classic Beantown fashion, I have sort of the context around it, and then I never actually wrote the question. So we are going to be doing this on the fly and we'll see what we can do. So one of the second thing that popped up on the history.com this day in history related to farm aid. And so as you can probably expect, it was this day in history that farm aid, which was a sort of a spinoff of live aid benefit concerts, right? It's the first ever farm aid, 1985. So what are we at? Almost 40 years old, 38 years old. Is the first ever Farm Aid concert. It happened just a couple weeks after that year's Live Aid. We're learning a lot in addition to trivia here. Basically, the Live Aid was for the Ethiopian famine. Bob Dylan made comments, and his words have been misconstrued over the years, but it's essentially saying, like, if we can raise this much for Ethiopia, maybe we could raise this much for our own farmers. So six weeks later, I think it was, the first ever Farm Aid was held at this Big Ten Stadium. Okay, so basically, if you can if you can name the college campus, that's good enough. But if you can name the actual name of the stadium, and it's still the same name today, so it's not there's nothing tricky about it. You know, it would be like if um, DePaul plays at Wintrust Arena, and that was the answer. And, 1985 that would still be the answer today although Winchester Arena I don't that example seemed like just terrible because Winchester Arena was built like six years ago so bad example uh, I'm trying to think if I can have any good clues for you so it's a Big Ten stadium I will say this it is very much surrounded by corn excuse me now I know where corn is what I was trying to say before I belched to infinity I know a lot of Big Ten campuses slash stadiums, but let's just think like the t- college towns is what I'm thinking about, are very much surrounded by corn. The ones I would say like are not top of my head. Okay, this is not exhaustive. There's literally like 20 Big Ten schools to think of now, which is just bullshit. I'm going to stick to like the 14 I know right now. Um, but even then, I can't recall all of them. Like Minnesota, where I'm going tomorrow, not surrounded by corn, right? It's more or less across the river from downtown Minneapolis. Um, you could make a similar argument for Camp Randall in Wisconsin, like Madison, surrounded by corn. Yes, it's also a fairly large city and the second largest city in the state. Um, I feel like Penn State is surrounded by forests and mountains, not really corn as much, right? I don't know anything about um, Lan- uh, East Lansing. Never been there for Michigan State. And... Michigan, Ann Arbor, 
a little bit of a bigger town than your rinky-dink college town, right? I'm, I'm basically what I'm doing here is narrowing things down. The answer is not Minnesota or, or Penn State or Wisconsin or Michigan or Michigan State. Uh, Rutgers, I don't. Rutgers is more surrounded by like concrete. I think. I actually have driven around uh, Rutgers campus in East Brunswick. I think is where it is. There's a couple. There's Rutgers Camden too. But I've also been there. But uh, basically. I am not going to just run through every Big Ten school I can think of. Uh, the answer, if you didn't know yet, it's homegrown right here in Champaign, Illinois. The answer to the, this week's Beantown Podcast trivia question of the week is Memorial Stadium, 1985. If you're curious who performed, I, there's a lot more we could get into here. There's a lot of like just fun trivia, some good good stuff going on. Uh, but I will not uh, for time's sake because I'm ready to wrap it up. Um, I will not go into more details. If you want to read about the first ever Farm Aid concert, you absolutely should, though. Here, I'm just running is a long list, and these are just going to be biased towards people I know in my musical world and knowledge. There's probably a lot more people on here that I'm not going to list that you would know, so definitely go check it out because this lineup is ridiculous. Here are the acts that played the first ever Farm Aid in 1995. Again, this is not all of them. These are just the ones I know. Alabama, The Beach Boys, Bon Jovi, Jimmy Buffett, Rip... Glenn Campbell, Johnny Cash, uh, Charlie Daniels, John Denver, Bob Dylan, John Fogarty, Foreigner, Vince Gill. I didn't know Vince Gill was even around then. He must have been so young. How old is Vince Gill? Vince Gill was born in 57, so he was in 28. Okay, I guess he was like young, prime Vince Gill. Sammy Hagar, Arlo Guthrie. Daryl Hall, Hall and Oates, right? Emmy Lou Harris, Don Henley, Waylon Jennings, Billy Joel, Randy Newman, BB King, Carol King, Chris Christopherson, Huey Lewis, Loretta Lynn, John Mellencamp, who we mentioned earlier, Joni Mitchell, Willie Nelson, Roy Orbison, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, Bonnie Raitt, Lou Reed, Kenny Rogers, Brian Setzer, Rock This Town Tonight, right? Sissy Spacek. I didn't even know Sissy Spacek was a musician. I just know her from. Uh, uh, I was going to say Annie, but that's not right. Uh, what's the name of that Stephen King novel? This is terrible. What is that called? There's people just, all four of our listeners are just shouting it into their uh, speakers right now. This is one of the worst things I've ever done in my life, is not be able to recall the horror film that Sissy Spacek was in. This is just embarrassing. This should be like the top of her Wikipedia page. <sighs> I got to pause. This is terrible. Okay. That was like a five-second pause. Carrie, obviously. I'm on Sissy Space. Okay. Let's, let's uh, our last thing of the week. Actually, let's finish up this Farm Aid's uh, lineup, and then we're going to finish with Sissy SpaceX. It's just pissing me off. Uh, Eddie Van Halen, Neil Young... It is an artist known as X, which is an American band that I personally don't know, but they seem relatively famous. Um, they had an album listed as uh, one, two, two albums on the Rolling Stones' greatest, 500 greatest albums of all time, so that's pretty solid to get two on that list. Okay, final thing of the week before we play us out. How far do you have to go down Sissy SpaceX wikipedia page before there's any mention of carrie whether the character or the film 
Now, this is a stupid question because I can't actually count all these words, but what I can do is copy and paste all the words before it, take it to a word counter. This is the highlight of my day. I've been sitting alone on the couch all day. I finally get to talk to someone. Okay, so here we go. Take your best guess. We're not going to bullshit around at all. We're just going to give you the answer. How many words on her Wikipedia page, which was so infuriating to me, before there's any mention of what is, in my opinion, by far her most famous, like, cultural um, just thing that she's known for. Maybe that's just me. And, it, I mean, it is to an extent, right? But I feel like when I think Sissy Spacek, it's synonymous with Carrie, right? Okay, last chance. How many words? 170 words. It's like two paragraphs before they mention Carrie. It just seems irresponsible. Um, that's what I had for you. I hope you learned some stuff today. I thought that this was kind of an educational Beantown podcast. You learned about my strategies picking Southwest flights. You learned about Shaka Zulu, not related to Shaka Khan. You learned about, uh, you probably started self-doubt how you say the word folk. Are you slipping any of the back of that tongue in there to slip in little L action or not really? Little L, great Jamiroquai song. Go check it out. Okay, that's what I got for it. Longer than I wanted. What else is new? Um, I got to go read my book, Remains of the Day with Anthony Hopkins. Thanks for uh, listening. We'll come to you next week with some more Bean Tom Podcast action, getting closer to episode 300. Let's cue up our outro music. My name is Quinn David Furness. Thank you for listening to my program. I will check in on you next week. Bye, guys.